Well, after six years in the Old Testament, this is our second Sunday in the New Testament. We're in the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 34. In verse 6 of the first chapter, we're introduced to John the Baptist. John was the forerunner, the announcer of Jesus. Jesus is called by John the light of the world. And all who receive Jesus and believe in him, we receive a special gift, and that is to be a child of God. Many people call all of humanity the children of God. But John says to, to be a child of God requires that you believe in him, trust in him as your Lord and Savior, and let him be Lord of your life. And what a glorious happening it is to believe on Jesus, to become his child, to become one of his disciples, to have fellowship with the living God. And believing we have a relationship, and don't miss this, we have a relationship with God because it is the will and plan of God that we have a relationship with him. And he did this for us, came while we were yet sinners. It was God reaching out to man. Most religions of the world, it's man reaching out to God, trying to please God with different behavior and so forth. But Jesus, by his spirit, came after each and every one of us, wanting us to become a believer. So let's look at John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. And the word become flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He comes after me, is preferred before me, for he was before me. In all his fullness we have received, we've all received, in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Jesus <clears throat> came and he dwelt with and among us. Or he tabernacled. He took up residence with us. And note the word which Jesus is referred to, the creator, is the sustainer and giver of life. And he became flesh. Consider, God being spirit took on flesh 
just like his creation. And there's no person that's ever been born who can honestly say, no one knows my situation. No one understands my problems, my dilemma. Jesus removed that argument of no one. Jesus sympathizes with us for our cares and our troubles. We read that Jesus was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief. Jesus came into this world as a human being, as a poor child, and he came to be born of poor parents. He wasn't born in some castle or palace, no. He was born in a stable, probably a cave, and he had a feed trough, which smells, for a crib. And we all know the story. Joseph was required to go to his hometown, Bethlehem, by edict from Rome to be registered. Mary goes with Joseph. Mary wasn't required to go to Jerusalem. It was only Joseph that was. But Mary, she is surrounded at this time with shame. For everyone thinks that uh, Mary and Joseph had to get married because she's pregnant and so forth. But she chose to travel with Joseph, her espoused husband, to Bethlehem. And so we have a very humble beginning of our Lord and Savior. And Jesus himself was very ordinary in appearance. He was not tall, dark, and handsome. Didn't have blue eyes either. But he was very ordinary. So ordinary was Jesus that at one point he passes through a crowd and no one recognizes him. Another time, Judas, one of his disciples, has to point Jesus out to the Roman soldiers with a kiss. He had to identify Jesus. And when Jesus was born, it was probably not December. It was either the spring or the fall because we have shepherds that are out grazing their sheep in the fields. And we, as mankind, beheld the glory of the only begotten Son of God. The only begotten of God the Father was Jesus. Jesus, full of grace and truth. Jesus was a perfect blend of grace and truth. Grace is simply giving unmerited favor to man. Yet Jesus was truthful. He was honest. And he was honest about man's condition of being born into sin, needing a Savior. Jesus declared that, that you need a Savior. And we have an example of his grace and truth 
in the woman that was caught in adultery. They brought this woman caught in the act of adultery before Jesus. And the religious leaders want to know what Jesus will say to her. What does Jesus do? He gives her grace. But he didn't avoid the truth to her. He doesn't condemn her, but he tells her, go and sin no more. Full of grace, full of truth. And in verse 15, John and his witness of Jesus cries out, Jesus, who came after me, is the preferred one, for Jesus was before me. Now, that's interesting because John is six months older than Jesus. John is making reference of the eternal, everlasting, divine Jesus. Verse 16, we have all received grace for grace or grace upon grace. How glorious. You know... If you used up, and you can't, but if you did use up all your grace of today, you get a new supply every morning. We don't use up the grace of God. To appreciate grace, though, you need to be a sinner saved by grace. Romans 5 tells us where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And the personal part of this is the more, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I appreciate God's long-suffering with me or him showing me grace. And in verse 17, John continues, the law was given by Moses. And the law points out my need of grace. And the truth of Jesus. The law was written on tablets of stone. Moses went up to the mount. He got the law written on tablets of stone. But grace came through a babe born in a manger. It got personal. When Moses came down from the mountain after receiving the law, what did he come down into? Up, idolatrous party, and 3,000 are slain by the Lord. In Acts, Peter declares truth of Jesus and grace, and what happens? 3,000 get saved. So you have the law that condemns, and you have grace that saves. We read in our scripture reading this morning, Moses wanted to see God. God told Moses, hey, if you see me, you're going to die simply because human flesh can't handle it. <laughs> it's that simple. Jesus, who came from the very throne room of God in heaven, from the bosom of the Father, points to himself and declares, God, I will declare God to you. He's just like me. The Gospel of John happens to be centered around seven I am's declared by Jesus. And Jesus 
desires to show us the Father, the very same Father that Moses wanted to see. And John tells us Jesus, the only begotten Son, present tense, is in the bosom of the Father. Present tense. Or Jesus is in constant, intimate fellowship with his Father. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Let me get you to turn to John 14. In John 14, uh, verses 1 through 6, we'll cover those. Jesus is uh, telling his disciples about the coming cross, what he must suffer. He has just washed their feet. And there, there are some last opportunities here for the disciples to recognize Jesus as God. Many times we read where they, the disciples called Jesus rabbi or teacher in that he was. But do the disciples see him as God? Let's read John 14, 1 through 6. Jesus speaking, he said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is instructing his disciples, believe in God. He speaks of God the Father. Then he says, believe in me. And he says, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to go away physically. But I'm going away to prepare a place for you, a place of dwelling. And he says that where I am, you can be also. And he says, where, I'm, where I go, you know the way to me. Or you should know the way to me. Thomas, <laughs> he, he speaks up. He said, but Lord, we do not know where you are going, nor do we know the way. And Jesus says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot come to the Father except through me. I am the way to heaven. And we see there that the path got very narrow all of a sudden on the way to heaven. It got real skinny there. I'm it. I am the way, Thomas. But we should never fret that the way became narrow, but we should rejoice that there is a way. We have a way to be with God in heaven. And now Jesus is going to give commentary on himself. And that's in verses 7 through 11. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. 
And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip speaks up. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Many critics of Scripture, many critics of Jesus being God, says he never claimed to be God. Well, he just did in the verses we read. He just claimed to be God. Jesus openly tells his disciple, you know me, therefore you know the Father, for I am just like God the Father. This statement by Jesus goes right past Philip. It bypasses his understanding completely. And Philip asks Jesus, just show us the Father and that will be enough. Philip's question, it gives us insight into the disciples' thinking. Jesus, to Philip and the other disciples, he's saying to them, why are you so dull of heart? Disciples, I've been with you day and night for three and a half years. I have been intimate with you. I've ate with you. I've drank with you. I've camped out with you. And Philip, you say you do not know me? And I think Jesus, this is personal, I think Jesus is perplexed at the disciples' dullness of mind and heart. I think it surprises Jesus how slow of heart they are. So he says to Philip, Philip, how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is expecting the truth of who he is to dawn upon the disciples. He's expecting the truth that he is God to be real to them. My disciples, my chosen twelve, how can you say, show us the Father? have a question. What concept, what image do the disciples have of God the Father? Same question for you and I. What concept, who do we think God the Father is? John the Baptist declared back in uh, 118, although no one has seen God the Father, Jesus is God's only begotten Son who resides in the bosom of the Father, and He declares Him the Father. Many times our theology needs updating. We can have 
and I've had this in the past, a juvenile image of God. Many people look upon God the Father as number one, Jesus' Son, number two, and the Holy Spirit sort of the hidden one. Jesus is God. The disciples, these good Jewish believing men, have not been able to recognize and honor Jesus as being true God. And they've lived with him three and a half years. Philip, Thomas, all of my disciples, you've seen me, therefore you have seen the Father. And here's the proof, disciples. The words that I speak are God's words. And the works I do are works of God. The miracles that Jesus will perform are done by God the Father who dwells in Jesus. And he says to his disciples, the twelve, and he says to us today, disciples of Christ, Jesus' works are proof of who he is. So what are some of the works we see? You ever long to see a miracle? Yeah, I think we do. But the greatest work that we can see done by Christ is to see a changed life. A life that turns from selfish, self-centered behavior to a life that's motivated to be like Jesus. That is proof of God being in Jesus. So, what we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit, who the Son gives to us, by the way, to have his way in our everyday thinking and behavior. You can say, God and people aren't offended. Pronounce Jesus as God, and people get all up in arms. I've been tempted to be in a theater or somewhere like that, and right as the last trailer stuff is being shown on the screen, stand up and yell out, Jesus Christ is God, and then run. <laughs> because he is God. He came to show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And don't let that escape us like it did the disciples. It escaped them. Well, sure, they came to believe and they changed the world when the Holy Spirit came upon them. But how sad. Three and a half years they were with Jesus and did not recognize that he was God. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Okay.